Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. And this week we have Bethany Geyser, who is going through deconstruction from deep within the Mennonite bubble. She is in a Mennonite community and doing this on her own in many ways. And so we have a great conversation. I know a lot of you will resonate with her story and find it deeply encouraging. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. Before we do, I just want to remind you guys, these podcasts, all my resources, my um, the, the ability to chat with you day in, day out, help you on your journeys, um, all that stuff I do for free. The reason I can do it for free is because of a few generous people that give to my Patreon, my partner program. If you would like to support what I'm doing for as little as $5 a month, you can give via Patreon, um, patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, by giving as little as $5 a month, you help me keep everything I'm doing for free, um, and, and help people that are going on these um, very um, complex, painful, um, scary uh, deconstruction processes, pro- processes of evolving faith. Um, and so it means a great deal to me. It means a great deal um, to many other people who can't afford to give to something like this, but still benefit from the resources and, and having someone to talk to. As a thank you, you get access to my private discussion group. You get access to monthly Zoom calls with me and a whole bunch of other different things. Um, and so do check that out. All right. Enough rambling from me. Let's dive into the conversation with Bethany. Well, why don't we start um, maybe with you giving, we've, we've been um, connected on Instagram for quite a while now. How, how long have we been connected? Probably quite a while, right? <sighs> um, yeah, it's been years. Okay, yeah. Since um, so, I, I mean, since I started following you, I think the first things I heard were from YouTube. Okay, wow, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, a while then. Yeah. Um, so we've been connected for a while uh, and we have some fascinating chats and I know that you have a very unique kind of um, experience of Christianity, of faith um, that a lot of people um, will find very interesting. Um, some people might resonate with uh, entirely. I, I doubt it though. Maybe uh, a lot of people will resonate with a lot of it though. Um, and so I thought it'd be really fascinating to unpack that. But why don't you kind of just give a very kind of broad overview of who you are, where you're coming from okay. um, and then we can kind of dive into a bit of your story but I, I'm really intrigued to um, yeah just get a rough idea of a picture of the person behind this person I talk to every day and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have no idea who you are and so uh, it would be good no. for them to get some sort of uh, sort of box to put you in before we start sure. breaking that box apart. Um. <laughs> That's fine. Um, So I'm from the East Coast in the USA, Delaware, Maryland area. Um, My, we're just going to start way, way back with my grandpa. Let's do it. (laughs) So um, my grandpa was Amish and um, he left the church because, or the Amish church, because he had a green roof and they told him that wasn't acceptable. Like, um, I think they all had black roofs or I don't even know what the color was. It wasn't the right colors, too worldly. So my grandpa said, screw this and (laughs) went to the Mennonite church, which which was just like a a less conservative level. That's like the rebellious option for Amish people is like, maybe go for like a Mennonite kind of community. Yeah. Yeah. It totally is. My grandpa was very rebellious and went straight to the Mennonites. Um, So then, um, my mom grew up Mennonite, conservative Mennonite. And there's like 
a million different types of Mennonite. Um, so she wore um, cape dresses and a covering um, when she became a Christian, like she had to do those things. And um, like they had, a lot of people uh, might confuse Amish and Mennonite, but Amish, the difference is that Amish has no electricity and Mennonites do. Mm-hmm. And like Mennonites are allowed to, are like the next level of worldliness. Like we're allowed to like go shopping, have different colored clothing. I mean, definitely nothing flashy, but yeah. 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 Um, so my mom grew up Mennonite and she has stories. She came out in a skirt and blouse one time and she has stories of her mom, like ripping clothes off of her and, um, like telling her these things weren't appropriate. And, um, like she talked about the time, like when she became a Christian and she, um, had to wear a covering and she was walking out the lane, just crying, going to the, going to the bus because she didn't know why she had to wear this covering and didn't want to. So that being said, my mom left the church, the Mennonite church, the Mennonite church, and went to another level of conservative, (laughs) a little bit lesser. Bit by bit, we're whittling away your family. Yeah. So I don't know why anyone's shocked that I'm like going to the next level. Like this is the trend in our family. So come on, everybody. <laughs> so um, my mom went to something called um, ATI. Are you familiar okay. with it? I don't ATI think so. ATI Bill Gothard, maybe. You've heard yeah. Of him? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Yes. So yeah. So he's like the leader of this. Um, I guess it's a homeschooling thing, and I mean, I'm just gonna call it a cult because that's what I'm not like. Mm. But it's like there were certain hairstyles that were acceptable. Um, white shirts, navy blue bottoms. Uh, we would get wisdom booklets. So my family homeschooled until I was seventh grade and we would get wisdom booklets for every, I don't know, quarter or something. And there were these white books. Um, I can still just like feel them. (laughs) And we would have like family devotions and we would read from the wisdom booklet. And it was about like, um, just like the integrity of a man and what a woman should do and what that looks like exactly and it was all lined out perfectly that's so fascinating (laughs) so like they just delivered these things off like every kind of like quarter you get your little update on like hey this is what it looks like to be a good like disciple Mm -hmm. if you're a man be this manly person if you're a woman you know make sure you yeah i don't know wear a certain length of skirt yeah i wish i would have gotten one from my mom because i'm pretty sure she still has them it would have been interesting to read on here yeah that is fascinating um yeah. it, it sounds like the um the jw's kind of watchtower or something like that you know like they, <laughs> they have the kind of update ma- magazines that kind of get circulated every now and again with like whatever they they're spinning i don't know the ins and outs yeah. of that too much so uh but yeah that's that's quite fascinating so this wasn't yeah. to do with homeschooling this wasn't like you know you're getting curriculum sent out this is just for being in this movement you kind of got an update with yeah. teaching kind of like a devotional yeah. thing that you're supposed to work mm-hmm. through or something yeah. Wow. Yep. 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 And that, yeah, we did the, a Becca homeschooling program, which is also Christian. So, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure ATI probably had their hands in like what, what uh, curriculum to get. Um, so yeah, so um, my, so I'm the youngest of four and um, my siblings 
had much more of an intense time than I did. Like mom and dad were much more, like my mom gave me an Enrique Iglesias CD when I was like 13. Yeah. And yeah. And my sister would hide, um, what's that Latin American Christian music girl, Jackie Velasquez. Did you ever hear about her? No. Well, she was a contemporary Christian, like, and my sister had tied her CDs. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, she sounds terrible, terrible person. Yeah. I mean, I think it had like rock music. Like it had. Had some guitars, like drums or something or yeah. Yeah. Drums, electric Isn't this Uh, always the way, by the way? So like I'm a, I'm an older sibling, so I'm going to complain right now, but like my brother, (laughs) the youngest brother got away with like murder. He could do anything. And I was like, I have like shed blood sweat and tears to get to this level by the time i was like 14 or 15 or 16 or whatever this was the standard i killed to get i moaned and i complained and i did chores for like years to get to the standard and then he's like nine or something and he's like oh yeah i can do that and mom's like yeah okay yeah you can get away and i'm like what is this younger sibling thing? So here's you like running around singing in Greek, in, you know, like I can be your hero or whatever. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. You're, like, you're singing away and your sister's sitting thinking like, fucking rush, fucking rush. Yeah. Actually, yeah. They, my siblings totally feel that way. Yeah. So it's were there so, just so two funny. kids in your family? Um, no, there was this, there was four and now five. Uh, my parents adopted a, uh, when I'd left home as well. So yeah, it was a pretty full family. Um, okay. And I had, oh man, like none of us had it hard. We had a great life, but uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. the oldest sibling always paints the hardest picture. But, yeah, um, yeah, I believe it. Easy, pretty easy. But. Um, yeah, we have two kids and I know I'm so hard on, I'm, it's just, I, I know I've made so many mistakes as far as just like having the oldest child and just like having so high expectations for him and being like is this a normal expectation or is it just like me being like a like a too high expectations I don't know but it's I just don't, don't know if like there's ever like I don't know we don't have kids and I'm I'm like setting my bar so low and I'm just assuming that I'm going to traumatize and completely destroy my child on some level um and if I try and work too hard in any direction i'll probably just go the other end of the spectrum and traumatize them in a fresh new way on that side as well yeah and and i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna make sure that i set them up so they have some great therapy options it's gonna be Uh, exactly you know it's gonna be great it'd be great so who knows i probably traumatize them by saying like guys i'll pay for your therapy yeah there (laughs) you go (laughs) we'll start off a fund right now and like this is me saying i'm sorry (laughs) normal people are saving for college and we're like "Mm, maybe therapy actually <laughs> no seriously i would ah oh, i would totally do that oh my god it's funny it's funny yeah i love it okay so where are we so you are getting like enrique iglesias am i saying that right well Gosh. yeah no it's okay so um the reason i got an enrique iglesias cd was because we lived in central america for three years oh wow because, okay so i guess i'm jumping ahead a little bit so we were homeschooling and then I got to seventh grade and my mom was like, you're too rebellious. I can't handle you. And sent me to (laughs) Christian school. In Central America? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. I'm like, that's like the most extreme version of like, oh, you know, we'll send you to a boarding school, like, or whatever, like (laughs) in another country, (laughs) you know, I'm just like, whoa. Oh, that would have been awesome. No, it would be pretty cool actually as a whatever 12 year old or whatever. You'd be like, yes, sweet. (laughs) 
No, they sent me to a Christian school in my hometown. Okay. Okay. And, um, but then, um, we were, I guess it was like this. So mom sent me to school halfway through the year Mm. and the summer before I went to school, we went to the Mennonite conference because we were still, even though we were not Mennonite, we still did a lot of Mennonite things. Like I basically grew up Mennonite because it's like, it's basically a culture more than anything. And um, so it was my turn of thought. Okay. So we went to a Mennonite conference and while we were there, oh, another very important point. My parents were missionaries in Nicaragua in the seventies. And actually my sister is Nicaraguan. They adopted her while they were there. And um, anyway, so, so anyway, we were at um, the conservative Mennonite conference that summer before. So I was like 11, I guess. And um, while they were there, some of the leaders asked them if they would be up for going back down to Nicaragua because there was a retreat center that needed maintenance and like it was going to be used for work teams to come down to stay and they thought my parents would do a good job at it. So my mom was just super excited about it because she loved living in Nicaragua. She loves the culture. Mm -hmm. My dad too. They love it. So um, me and my brother were the only two at home. So we went to Nicaragua with my parents for three years. I went for three years. My brother, Steve, went for one year. And um, that, was, that was a really good experience. That was, mm. I mean, it was crazy, but it was so, like it got me out of the bubble uh, that I would have been in. Sure, and like, yeah. it, was, it was another Christian bubble, but it was still different enough to allow like my brain to realize there's differences, you know? Was it, so was it more diverse in its Christianity then? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. So we went to a church that, so because um, there were so many different American missionaries down there, the um, church was just a congl- conglomeration of That's denominations. So yeah. I love it. It's like the, you know, like the expat military base or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you go to like, you know, wherever it is. I was just talking to my sister-in-law and she grew up like in like the expat community, but um, like, it's so fascinating when you go to another part of the world and you go into like a small village and yet there's an American military base or there's something yeah. like that, or like it's a heavy missionary area. And you're like, every other shop in this town is English. And I'm in holland or you know germany yeah. or something you're like what's happening and then you realize oh there's americans here and they've kind of like taken over this town or so there's like a it's like a little america within a country um and so it always makes you laugh but the idea of just like this little like church full of missionaries from different parts of the u.s like i love it yeah yeah and um there was a a really cool school that i went to down there that was for um i guess it was it was christian and there were Nicaraguans that attended it as well. As well. So, um, but Nicaragua is a very Catholic religious country anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, so did that for three years. And then inside of that, I met my, so a work team came down from Delaware and a, a, a youth group work team came down. And I was friends with some of the people on that team. And they were all like, there's a single boy on this team. You should talk to him. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, little 14 year old Bethany. And um, so I did talk to him and we were writing emails. And then I came home and we started dating because we only lived an hour apart, ironically. And then uh, four years later, we got married. 
Wow. So what <laughs> yeah. age was this you got married? Uh, 19. Okay. But that's like on brand for like, you know, homeschool Christian with yeah, a very right? intense community, like the kind of Mennonites, you know, like it's very kind of, yeah. Okay. I yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah. That's intense so, though. Really intense. It or it feels it like I'm hearing it. I'm like, whoa, that's intense. It was very intense. Oh my goodness. It was so intense. Ugh. Um, so dating the four years we dated was tr- like just trauma, just pure trauma because we'd make out. And then I'd just mm-hmm. be like hell in my brain because I couldn't tell anyone and I couldn't talk to anyone about it. And like, I would try to tell some people and then it would just like bomb completely. And they wouldn't know how to help me because it was always just like, it was nothing. No, every single person I told, like I tried telling my youth pastor cause I was just like, this is somebody that's going to help me. He's a youth pastor. He's going to yeah, help me. Yeah. It, was just, it was awkward. And like, I told him and then he immediately went and like told somebody else. And, and I guess he probably did it because he was like, I don't want to be in like, I don't know. He probably just, maybe he wanted to protect himself, which makes sense, I guess. Right. And um, sure. I, I don't guess, know. I don't it know. Gets like, so, it I, gets so weird when that, that whole world like crosses yeah. the wrong lines and then has no concept of being able to have a normal conversation at the same time, you know, yeah. like does like both yeah. sides of that wrong where it crosses boundaries and becomes really inappropriate a lot, the church with, with their youth and things like that. But then on the yeah. flip side, they never actually engage their youth in healthy ways about sex or things like that. Exactly. And so it's like, you're doing exactly. this wrong on both counts. You're protecting yourself, but not protecting the people. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's a weird yeah. one. Right. So what was, I- what was the kind of code of conduct within your community? Then? Like, was it, I mean, I imagine fairly strict, but like, I mean, you're talking like you're making out with your boyfriend and you're like, holy crap, I need to have a meeting with my youth pastor. Like <laughs> that's, I mean, even for all the kind of evangelical purity culture, you know, get your purity yeah. ring on all that. I'm just yeah. realizing I left my wedding ring in my climbing bag. Um, <laughs> you, you put your purity ring on all these different stuff. Like, um, that's pretty intense but this sounds like i mean even within that a lot of people would be like well yeah of course you would like kiss your boyfriend or you know whatever like there's yeah the lines are varied on that path but it sounds like your lines were very uh easy to reach yeah very easy to reach and both of my brothers had um both of my brothers and their girlfriends had babies before or got pregnant before they were married And so like, I was also dealing with like, I cannot be like them, like, which I mean, they were fine. They were fine. Like they have beautiful children and they're fine. But because of all our religious beliefs, it was like, they have sinned. And it was just, I remember my, okay. So my sister-in-law, Sarah, when she, when her and my brother, Steve came and told my parents about being pregnant. My parents were just like devastated and there was just like silence and just devastation. And Sarah, I remember Sarah being like, this is not how my parents responded. Like my parents like gave me a hug and told me congratulations. And, um, and like, that was a window that I was like, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't be responding. Yeah. There's a different way. And that's Mm. like, I went that way. Like that sounds much nicer. Um, so I feel like I'm very, I'm not going on a very straight line right now. 
No, it's good. Uh, straight lines are like not ever really occurring on this podcast. We probably, okay. I've probably had like one or two chats with people that went very like kind of like and like honestly they're my least favorite podcasts i'm like no 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 i want to go off and talk about this thing for half an hour and then come back or um no it's great it's really fascinating what do you think that is like what like because i'm i'm intrigued by this a lot and i'm very aware i have my own responses to different things and i look back at my past and how i respond to certain things like that oh that person got pregnant before marriage oh the person I'm dating is did this or like and and we have these kind of like very visceral reactions as Christians to some of these things like uh, what do you what do you think that is rooted in like or at least for the people in your community that were yeah because um, there's obviously something going on that caused you to see your brothers get pregnant with their partners and for you to be like oh, god I don't want to end up doing that even though you were like but it's fine like they've got a kid and it's healthy and it's fine so you you knew it was fine but there was something in you that was like oh god no 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 I don't want to go through that whatever that is yeah. or do you know what I mean like what, yeah. what do you think why yeah. do you think are the dynamics that are going on in these kind of like communities of faith that that cause that fear I'm sure whatever I'm sure it's just like some like demented concept of sex like like sex outside of marriage is just like, I don't even know what words I would use for it. Wicked. Mm. Like it's just a very tangible sign that you are not walking in the Holy spirit mm. or you're not with, you're not in the will of God or whatever. Like you're just giving into your flesh and like, that's the worst. Your flesh yeah, is wicked. Yeah. You need to beat that out of you. And I'm, I'm sure that's, what it's connected to, right? And I mean, I, I know it is because I, I see it in myself. Like I still, I still have issues with like sexuality and I'm like, mm. like I don't, like I know my brain is messed up about sex. And like, I've seen on your Instagram, like you post stuff about like any, any, or any form of social media that's talking about sexuality and like being okay. Like I'm still like, <sighs> like this is okay. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's a big one it's a big one yeah yeah and like talking about my kids about sex like what I'm gonna do and what I actually feel are two different things like what I'm feeling is like absolute terror that they're like That's falling funny. into hell but I'm gonna be like I, I trust you yeah yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> you know? so funny isn't it like I, I am I've been thinking about this a lot recently like just how much this affected me and and I I was thinking about it recently just in the context of my first marriage which uh-huh. I was great I, I loved my first marriage I loved my first wife um but I had so much shit I was bringing to the table as this kind of like very passionate Christian that was like traveling around speaking and had this kind of whole thing that was whatever and like I brought so much baggage and shame and guilt and um need for people to perceive even my own sex life even somehow like you know like it's like god forbid someone finds out that i did x before i got married or or even like whatever and or god forbids someone finds out that my wife thinks x or i think that and like there's so much like what other people think about something that is perfectly fine and healthy um i i brought so much crap to that that relationship like uh frequently um, you know, I, I never wanted that to end. And, and it was uh, the decision of my partner at the time. 
um sarah and she was just like i can't do this anymore like it's not working for me and i i really fought hard and actually today i'm like god go you go girl that was such a good decision this was not a healthy relationship for either of us i'm so hope that that worked out really well for you because you made a decision that i wasn't able to because i was so you know um terrified of like more so than like is this healthy for me and you and what should we do moving forwards? I was more driven by, well, even if it's not healthy for us, I can't get divorced. I couldn't have that. I couldn't have this. It's all these kind of expectations, right? God forbid they find out someone got pregnant before marriage. God forbid that that person gets divorced. God forbid. And we have these kind of like things, but most of it seems like so heavily linked. It's not even in what God will think. It's, it's what will like the Andersons think or whatever, you know? Um, Well, I still have friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The community is brutal on this stuff. Like, it's just, uh, we were watching, um, there's a new Netflix special called um, Teenage Bounty Hunters, I think it's called. It's pretty funny. Um, It's pretty mindless as well. Um, But it's about these young teenage girls that decide to become bounty hunters. um, And it's ridiculous in every area. But they go to this really intense, like, private Christian school. And it is hilarious. But, like, it's brutal. Like, they are, like they are like scapegoating like to the max anyone that does anything wrong and it's like boom you are out you are ostracized you are a leper um and it's obviously an extreme kind of picture of it a bit of a caricature Mm -hmm. but it's kind of true yeah no it actually i was thinking about it as i was mowing the lawn today okay about like how um the concept of people pleasing and how most of my anxiety about all of this is simply about people pleasing. Mm. And I feel like my only um, way to tell what other people are thinking is by the things that I previously thought. Mm -hmm. So I knew how I would respond if somebody was like having sex before marriage or divorcing their spouse or something like that. And it was always like, I either need to like help you and like give you advice on how to get better. So you don't do that Mm -hmm. anymore. Or just like, okay, well we can't be in relationship because you're making bad decisions. Yeah. Sorry about your luck. And so, so because I know that I did that, then I'm like, I don't, I don't want other people to do that to me at all. I just want everyone to be like my friend and. Yeah. But it's weird as well because and and we're probably right a lot of the time, right? A lot of the time that probably is exactly how people will respond, but we don't actually know that. And we're actually right. almost right. making that decision for someone else without actually run, like, allowing them to make that decision and either be an asshole or be really loving. We yeah. decide, no, you're probably going to be an asshole. And so like we automatically are creating these barriers between ourselves and other people that they didn't put up. We don't actually know if they're going to react like a judgmental person that I am, right? Um, right. And so right. it's just crazy. Like once I went through my divorce, yeah, there's some people that were like, oh yeah, well, God will never use you now or all these kind of like things. Mm-hmm. But actually the vast majority of people were like, that's terrible. You take the time you need. Like people that were supporting me financially, were like we're going to keep supporting you financially, but don't feel any expectation to do anything for a few months. You chill, you relax, you figure out what's going on and where you're at. Like we're here for you. People messaging me and I was like, huh, people are nicer than I am. Because <laughs> my yeah. response of what they would do was yeah. largely based on how I thought about people that did that. Yeah. Why, yeah, really, totally. if I'm honest. Um, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So I feel like I'm, so on your episode with 
dirty rotten church kids you guys mm. were talking about how like um i think you were talking you were talking about cussing and how mm-hmm. like all the cuss words are allowed on your podcast, but then there's some people that are just like, ha, cussing. And like, that's where I am. I'm still like, ha, cussing. Like I'll, cuss around, like, I'll cuss around people that I'm like super, super good friends with. But otherwise it's like, I'm still a very good Christian. And Amazing. We're going to have to try and get you to cuss at some point during this podcast. Ah. Let's see if it draws it out. <laughs> so um well okay so that being said like that's the stage I'm at so like with all my new belief system I haven't told very many people like I've told my husband Mm -hmm. and I've like given two two or three friends like bits and pieces and every time I've told them it's been safe like it's been like I usually preface it with like you're either going to never talk to me again or think I'm a heretic or something like that. And they're like, we'll still talk to you. Like we're, <laughs> we'll still be your friend. That's amazing. And like, they don't always agree with it. They're like, like sometimes they'll be like, let's talk about this more, which I don't know what that always means, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, people surprise me consistently. I say that and I hear every single day, I get messages every single day of people not surprising me or surprising me in really terrible ways. Um, And I've been very hurt as well by the church and by Christians and whatever. But on the whole, um, when we're actually talking about people that we have quite close relationships with, I've I've honestly been very lucky and being quite surprised most of the time by people's kind of grace and compassion towards me and other people. Um, Yeah, I, I think people do as best as they can. And often that I think just having that framework as well and remembering, oh, even when this person's being a bit judgmental, I used to be really judgmental. Of course they're being yeah. judgmental. That's okay. Yeah. Like, I would yeah. I would be scared by that response or scared by that if that happens to me. So, or mm-hmm. I certainly would have five years ago or three hours ago. Um, so like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. Okay. So where, where are we in your story? We are, we are now out of Nicaragua. We've come back home. You're married sure yeah we're like 19 mm-hmm. yeah you okay so we were talking about things like when you know the, the intensity of like the sexual purity stuff your pastors mm-hmm. not even knowing yeah. what to do apart from maybe go and tell other people that your own private stuff um so uh, yeah i guess take off from somewhere around okay. there wherever you were going so okay so my husband daryl and i got married and um I went to school to be a physical therapist assistant at a local community college. And uh, we bought- How was that for you? Because obviously not particularly Christian environment, a community college, like, um, was that quite a culture shock? Because men do live quite bubbled a lot of the time. Were you quite exposed to kind of non-Christian worlds and things like that as a teenager or not particularly? When my- my, when we came back from Nicaragua, my dad said, Bethany, you get to pick. You can either go to public school or Christian school. If you go to public school, you're going to like have to deal with teachers that don't know essentially as much as you. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I want to go to public school. <laughs> so I went to public school. You're like a classic teenager. You're like, I get to be more smart than the teachers. Excellent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even though I was not. <laughs> Oh, that's not like, probably too surprising to most people hearing I mean, that. Like, exactly. oh, the 17-year-old wasn't smarter than the teacher. 
I mean, I guess essentially just about like I had a faith and they didn't. And like, mm -hmm. I knew better than they did because I had this faith and like, they were going to teach me things like evolution and sure. who knows what else, safe sex, maybe crazy things that you know crazy. much more about. Yeah. It's so sad. It's so sad. It's so it's so what it is though. Do you know what I mean? Like you 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 take a step back and you look at that world, that bubble, and the whole drive around this whole kind of like um interpretation of a few scriptures here and there and and tradition, and you go, Of course they think better than like, you know, like these crazy scientists like making up crazy ideas like evolution and big bangs and stuff like that like of of course people kind of like um are like that it's it's yeah it's it's hard to remember but taking a step back and kind of going in and, and going okay what was i like in that place what was my thought process what was my thinking i remember i, I shared on another podcast recently oh it was with um christina from science jesus memes and we were talking about evolution and i was saying when i was in university I had this huge argument with my course leader in front of like 50 other students. I was probably like the only Christian um, about evolution. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. There's no decent <laughs> evidence for evolution, blah, blah, blah. And like, honestly, I feel sick thinking back to it because I'm like, that could not have been a good, that, you know, at the time I was like, I am doing my, they didn't have the God's Not Dead movies, but I was doing my God's Not Dead moment, you know, oh, and yeah. I actually did that. And it's like, makes me feel sick. But today looking back at it, I'm like, that is probably one of the worst moments you've ever had, Phil. And you didn't even know it at the time. You know, you, you couldn't even see it. Um, you thought yeah. you, were, you thought you were at your best, right? You were finally evangelizing to this idiot <laughs> professor and like all these yeah. kids. Jeez, oh, that's bad. Bad times. Oh, I get it. Yeah. I did the same thing to my <laughs> physics professor. Amazing. <laughs> Different way, but same concept. Yeah. Oh, I just cringe. cringe it is, it's very cringeworthy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's okay, though. So I've, in my um, walk through the deconstruction community, mm. when, like, I've noticed... Um, like a lot of times people are angry at God and um, like family members and yes, totally do both of those. But I feel like one of the things, an another aspect that I get frustrated at is just like where we are in history. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I think that if I was a hundred years ago, I'd be so angry at where I am in history, like that there was slavery and like, right. and I you feel wouldn't like that's get to vote. Like you would yeah, barely be more exactly. than property still really and it kind of it kind of makes me feel a little helpless a little bit mm. maybe maybe i should dig into that more and be like no i'm not that helpless but it's also just like oh this is so big and like it's going to take like hundreds of years for this yeah. to get weeded out and i don't know yeah i think that's a big thing for people um i don't know probably i would say millennials maybe maybe a little older but probably millennials and down like we have grown up in a time of such constant change like there's always something different right there's not been like two or three years that have gone by if you're under 40 where something crazy hasn't changed like it's like oh by the way we now have these things called computers you don't need to write stuff ever again and also yeah. you know you those libraries you have to go to doesn't matter you've got like an encarta cd and then they're like a couple years later like oh remember encarta yeah you have the whole depth of knowledge of the universe on something called the internet and you can get it if you just like 
phone this number with your computer. Wait, your computer phones numbers and can download libraries? Like, like it's constant. And it's like, oh, you've got a phone in your pocket and it can connect you to any information in the world and any person. And like, we've so much changed that I feel like we have lost our connection to the fact that for most of human history, nothing changed in the life of the average person. Like they were born and died in almost exactly the same system with occasionally these huge changes that happened every 500 years, 200 years, 3000 years. You know I mean? Like, it's like, but we're like expecting these constant changes, but there are still things that are taking absolute ages. Now some of these absolute ages are like 20 years or maybe a hundred, which is actually, you look back through history and it's like, that's some really fast change still. Right. Yeah, you're totally but, right. Yeah. It's so frustrating, I think, for people um, maybe our age that have grown up just seeing constant change to look at things that we want to change that we know will change. Right. Mm-hmm. No one's yeah. no one's watching Black Lives Matters marches and going, "Oh, this will still be an issue 500 years from now." Right. Everyone's going, "Well, the, obviously, in 500 years, this will be over." The question is, will it be in 400 years? in a hundred years, in 10 years or next week. And really yeah. the difference is what do humanity get up and do about it? Um, and I, my fear is it's probably not going to be the next week option. My hope is it's closer to next week than it is to 400 years. And yeah. I can only do my part to kind of move that forward. But like, mm-hmm. I think when we can see the end result and we're used to these constant changes, it kills us the thought of it being yeah. hundred years and that's yeah. me and you two white people thinking about it right imagine what it's like yeah. being a person of color you know black indigenous and you have knees on your neck you have guns in your back like it's Ugh. even more you know frustrating terrifying i can't even imagine um how frustrating it is to be someone that is looking for change knows the change is coming but may not experience that change to a significant degree in their life yeah that's yeah crazy. so Okay, so that's a that's a very interesting concept. So that was like a full on rant, but (laughs) thanks, thanks for that rant. Um, so that being said, like you can only do what you can do, and right, like you can only do what you can do, and and it's like I I okay, so I talked to you on Instagram. Instagram about um, like wanting to start a podcast Mm. and about like about deconstruction and part of me was like like I guess I go through these waves of passion like yes I'm gonna like do everything I can to like basically be an evangelist for deconstruction (laughs) and which is so annoying to me but then the other part of me is like okay I only you only get one life and like do I want to spend my life like trying to make other people see like me Mm. when I haven't like I don't have I don't know how I don't know how to say this for me because I feel like what you do is so valuable and so helpful so I don't know if it's justified in me saying this and I don't even know where I'm going exactly okay so like how much effort do I want to put into being like, Hey guys, guess what? There's another way of thinking. Like mm-hmm. how much pain do I want to inflict on myself and others Yeah. for that to happen? I guess is what I'm trying to say. And then like, sometimes I'll be like, yes, all the information, like I'm going to post all the memes and my friends are just going to be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll and suddenly have days. a lot of free time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, what? You have uh, a lot of free no. Time. I was saying, and you'll suddenly have a lot of free time on your hands. There's no oh. friends want to talk to you ever again. Or yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my kids will still want to talk to me though. There you so, go. Yeah, well, no free time actually. Parent. There you go. <laughs> I'll show my kids the memes. Be like, guys, look at this. <laughs> and here we are at the therapy again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, okay. So, um, what was I saying? Yeah. So then, so I wanted to start the Instagram account about like deconstruction. And then I was like, that is way too big. Like, I don't have any, like, I know, like, I listen to podcasts every once in a while. Like, I cannot do that. Yeah. So I started a podcast on, we're building a house. And so mm. I started a, an Instagram account. Sorry, not podcast. Okay, yeah. About that. And like, for right now, it feels very just like safe. And like, this is just like us being present in life. And, it, mm-hmm. and like, this is what we're doing right now. And documenting that and enjoying the process and I don't know. Yeah. There's something nice about stepping. It's not outside of your community, but like, it's about building a house. There's something that every human on the planet can go. Oh, that's nice. I like homes. I like having a home. I'd like a nice home. This is a nice home. I'll watch people build a nice home. You know, that that's a nice thing. And it's not disconnected from your community. So people in your community still can go, Oh yeah, that's great. Look, Bethany is building a home. That's amazing. But it's also, not wrapped up in that world either it's not i'm building yeah. a home because ezekiel 2 <laughs> exactly you know what i mean um, exactly and so it's just something really nice about that that, that is uh, a bit more spacious a bit more light it's not putting a huge weight on your shoulder to try and help people figure things out do whatever like which is really valuable like you said it's a valuable work and it's important work for a lot of people to do for for a lot of people to engage with and and, and be helped but it's not everyone's work at by any means yeah. Um, yeah. and it's certainly in the midst of like a pandemic and when you've got tons of crap going on and you're building a home or you know like you've got kids and you've got all these different things you're like mm, is this what i want to put my energy into yeah, yeah I think it's right really, really fair. I, I've been doing this just with my own kind of ministry. The amount of things I do, I just look at it and going, okay, I'm going to start cutting things. Like I don't do yeah. Facebook anymore. Occasionally I'll cross post a thing over there, but I'm like, I've got like 13,000 people over there, more than I have on Instagram. But I'm just like, I just don't like it. It's not giving me life. It tires me out and it hey. doesn't really work. Not many people see it. Not good enough. Mm-hmm. The, my weekly newsletters i used to write i used to love doing that and people love it and they reply oh, yeah. i'm like emails so just kill me i'm like it's just tiring <laughs> there's a stress there's a thing about you've got to write one it's the middle of the week you know they're expecting you who is they and are they really sitting at their inbox hitting refresh waiting for that email uh, well you must be disappointed because i've written like eight emails this year and we're about 40 weeks in um, or whatever we are um but i'm just like no, no, that's not giving me the same life as my podcasts or as Instagram posts or chatting to people day in, day out or running a partner's discussion group or whatever it is. And I think there's just a lot of wisdom in knowing what is the season you're in, what is helpful. What is, yeah, absolutely. And so like, I think that's good. I love the idea of what you're, you were talking about. And I do hope maybe one day it kind of like comes up to the surface and there's space for it. Because um, I think there's yeah. definitely room for it in this world of people going through faith deconstructions exploring their face i think from your particular specific um worldview i think it'd be fascinating and then from who you are it will be uh, phenomenal so but it, there's we'll no need and who knows and there's it's fine yeah, we'll see. i guess and also <laughs> the other thing is i don't even know how to use instagram so 
Oh, and speaking of those emails, did you go through every email and write people's names in? No, it does that for me. <laughs> okay. Because yeah, every time I was like, I am so special. You're so like, loved. <laughs> I feel so loved. How does he know no. my name? <laughs> no, they go to like about 5,000 people, but there's software that like, it, when you sign up, you put in your name and it rips okay. out your first name and that kind of puts the second oh, name somewhere cool. else. And then when I sent an email to that person, I put in a code that's like some sort of weird code and it inserts yeah. the name in that place, um, which is really funny. Like, I mean, one of my friends, Timo, he puts like, you know, um, I think his, at, at one point his name was like Dickbag. At another point it was like, ass hat or whatever and it's just like it's really he loves it because then he gets an email from me and it's like hey dick face i haven't seen you in a while and he's like he's laughing away and like sends me a screenshot and i'm like yeah i get it um it's but it's, it's pretty funny um, okay. so if you ever want to get well, really funny emails from people that's how you should sign up to people's newsletters because you'll laugh every time you get this oh, personalized email that's like crazy um, okay you know, hey, you worthless piece of crap, like sign up for some sort of like encouragement email or whatever, and that's your name. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, no, but yeah, you might not get many emails from me because I, I just, I'm picking what's working and what's Good. prioritizing. Good and so that's dropped Good. to the side. So I just learned the word boundary in the past like, okay. year. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, oh my word, it's so amazing. Life changing. I can say no to things. Oh, it's the best experience ever to be able to say, yeah. nope, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. You figure out whatever that means for you. Um. Okay. So whole new train of thought. Have okay. you watched Unorthodox on Netflix yes. yet? Yes. It's phenomenal. I just watched it last night. Oh, wow. The whole thing in one night? I mean, no judgment. No. I watched like a whole series, <laughs> like there's three seasons last week. So like no judgment, but I'm like, wow. Okay, no, really it. no. I understand your surprise. I also stay up to 12 o'clock at night, but so. It's just intense. That's all. It's not like, yeah, you know, a carefree, so like, oh, I'm binging, like, you know, a comedy. It's like, this is intense. I'm going to watch three hours of it. <laughs> like Exactly. It was so triggering. It was so mm. triggering. Like I related to it on so many levels. Wow. But also like, why am I relating to this? Because my family wasn't like that. So like, what exactly is happening? Wow. So I guess it's just the feeling of fear of rejection, right? Like it's the same, no matter what, at what level, like the fear of rejection mm. is for fear of rejection. And for her, it was like so intense in that movie. Yeah, it was full on, really fun. Do you, do you think there was other things going on in there or it was just that, that you kind of could recognize that she had a fear of rejection? I was, I was, I was trying to break it down and I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it, it made me think of like the stories my mom told as a kid and I don't know. I need to think about it more. Mm. It, it fascinates me. Like I, I remember watching it and just thinking, gosh, like she's so young. She's so um, innocent and in many ways, like uneducated, not in, I don't know. There's no ex express details on what her education was like, but I just mean in the ways of the world, right? She just yeah. has no concept of how the world works. And, and yeah. I was just like, there's so many Christians that in one way or another, um, end up in these bubbles, end up not really knowing how the world works, making them uh, as well, like, you know, something like she's like, um, 
and I don't mean to transpose this onto your situation because I don't know what your, your situation was like as a teenager being involved in a relationship that then ends up being immediately like, oh, this is the first relationship really is now the person I'm married to or whatever. But like those kind of experiences, you grow older and you look back and you go, gosh, I had, man, I made a big decision there with not really much data or like, or idea about what I wanted or needed or looked like, or I didn't really know myself at that point. And these kind of things, it's not to say that you then don't go, God, good thing I made a great decision. Like that, that is often the outcome or, and we can also turn anything into a great decision a lot of the times, but so it's not like you're looking back and going, Oh, I really regret all my life choices. Sometimes I think that's part of it. But I think there's there's a thing of that of going, wow, like I've been through stuff. Like, I know for me, like like I was saying with my first marriage, I guarantee a huge portion of like a huge portion of the reason my first marriage failed was because I'm an insufferable person to live with and I'm really selfish. Um, and I'm slowly getting better at that, but I, I wouldn't want to be married to me. Um, but a big, big part of it was genuinely was just like, gosh, my Christian upbringing and my lack of concepts of how to connect with someone else and 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 do that healthily and my concepts of sex my concepts of relationships my concepts of friends and it's just like it was so like limited and I remember watching her experience and going I had a great upbringing it was really phenomenal I was raised in a very worldly school um very rough and and intense school and so like I wasn't like closeted in, in any way really and yet I still could like that that triggered in me. I was like, gosh, I feel a bit like her going into these environments and being unsure, not sure who she is, not sure how the group will, like, who is this group and what are these people? These people are the worldly evil people and I'm scared of them. And actually looking at it, you're like, gosh, they were probably so nice, so friendly. They would have made amazing friends. I would have had life-changing experiences, but I was too scared to engage. I was too scared to go anywhere near. How many girls did I not become friends with because I was terrified that like what like we've become pregnant I'm like I laughed about this in my last podcast um with my brothers uh brother and sister and I'm like I wanted to get girls pregnant from like the age of 13 like you know I mean maybe not get them pregnant but like I wanted to have sex pretty early on it wasn't easy like you don't just hang out with a girl and that happens in my experience you hang out with lots of girls and it definitely didn't happen right I was like I was not accidentally impregnating any girls anytime soon and yet how much decisions did I make of like, oh, I need to keep girls at an arm's length in case it's inappropriate. I'm like, most girls just wanted to hang out. Like they weren't interested in me in that way. And I wasn't interested in these girls, most of them that way, right? And it's just like, but I couldn't, so it's just crazy. Yeah, we just, it's so fear. It's all fear-based. Like the Mm. fear of messing up, the fear, not even messing up, fear of being human. Yeah. Um, you, I feel like you hit the nail on the head when you talked about, um, like it helped that hearing you talk about how you view that, um, how you view unorthodox. It's like, uh, when she went into her marriage, like just being uninformed, just the concept Mm -hmm. of being uninformed. And like, I had, I went to school, I had a normal American education, I guess, but there's so much that I didn't even open my brain up to because of the fear of being indoctrinated by heresy or whatever. And, um, and I, that's probably what I relate to the most on there. Just that fear of like going into the world and being worldly and like, even now, okay. So I started this new job just, um, Monday and, um, I was in 
the, I was in orientation and the other people in the class left and it was just like me, the teacher, and then this other girl who shared the office with the teacher. And I was finishing up some last minute paperwork and the other girl started this song called Heather. Have you heard it? No. I, I don't listen to much music, so I'm really bad when it comes to it. You're really lucky I knew who Enrique Iglesias was. So, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, I, well, I had never heard the song either. But the girl, the girl was talking to the other guy about how this the music video was really weird and she didn't understand it. So they turned on the music video and like turned off the lights, which I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, this is like you- a, you're making some life choices here. You're like, we are gonna get into this music video. Like this is gonna be a cinema experience, you know? <laughs> I'm just trying to finish my paperwork. Like, please yeah. let me. See You're like, some. do you want me to go put some popcorn in the microwave for you guys? Like, exactly. Anyway, so the movie came on, and it was like, it was a little sketchy, or not? It wasn't sketchy. It wasn't sketchy at all. It was this guy that like wanted to like be a girl, so he's like putting girl clothes on, and like, and like you like saw his skin. Nothing specific, and mm. I was so uncomfortable. Like, mm. oh, like. This is so uncomfortable. But then afterwards I was like, why? Why is that uncomfortable? Like, it's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. So, and then I get frustrated myself because I get uncomfortable about stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I just want everything in my brain to be like what it should be. Just reset. Well, what what is should, right? I mean, what is that, you know? It's so, that's just another story we're telling ourselves. It's torturing ourselves, right? (laughs) Exactly. It was so nice when I was a uh, Christian, I guess. I guess I still am. Whatever I was before. And it was just so nice to have an outline. And everyone had an outline. Yeah. Even though we were all in different outlines, but we all we thought it was the same thing. Yeah. Outline but it is, it is easier to, um, to be able to, they put that thing on and you go, oh, this is about um, someone that's experiencing some sort of trans kind of identity. Well, okay, it's wrong. We're good. We're switch it off. I'm good. I've made my decision. I don't need to engage with it. I don't need to think about it. I don't even know. I have to look at and evaluate anything that comes up. I'm just like done off done. I have a box that that goes in and it's the wrong box and I can move on. But like, once you start coming out of that, it's not that you get rid of that box and then you're like, Oh, great. That's that. I know what I think about that. It's a good box. And I go like, it's not, as simple as that you go oh I've got like some baggage that I'm holding off from there I've got whatever I'm doing in exploring what that is and why it's good and what that could be like this it's really complex it's not going from one black and white to another it's suddenly going into like this open place where you go oh I get to and then that's art right the whole point of a music video is you're engaging with this music at another level and you're supposed to you're supposed to go oh what does this make me feel why do I feel like that what does it mean about me? Does it speak about my identity and gender? Does it speak about, you know, and, and you're supposed to be like doing, I mean, I don't know, I'm assuming some layers of that. Maybe people aren't as intense about their music videos as I, I like to imagine they are. Um, but that's the point of something is that you're supposed to be evoked and to think and to explore. Yeah. And that's exciting, but it is much more comfortable and easy to go, oh no, we've got boxes to put that in. We don't ever go there. We don't have to listen to that kind of stuff or yeah. look at that kind of stuff. Like that's much simpler and more comfortable, I think, on the whole. Yeah, so that's that's a very helpful um, logic. So like when I feel the emotions of fear, I can just be like, okay, this isn't, this isn't necessarily, it's not fearful, a fearful thing. It's just a, um, a guiding light to look deeper into myself. 
Mm. Yeah. And I guess I haven't really unpacked that yet. So it's still like scary, but like once I unpack it in my brain, then. But then um, there'll be more to unpack, right? And then you'll have something new to unpack and explore. And I don't think it ends. It just gets, but, but I think you get, you change from being um, constantly dreading it and going, God, not more of this work to going, this is fun. This is exciting. And, And maybe you're already there in a lot of ways. So how did you get from, uh, you know, good Christian wife uh, yeah. in this kind of Christian context of kind yeah. of um, post Mennonite, but largely still tiptoeing within the Mennonite community and all that different stuff to being in a place where you can watch a music video that is about that and feel a bit uncomfortable, but also be like, no, why am I uncomfortable? This is good. This is okay. Like yeah. you, obviously some stuff has happened in the middle there that has caused you to radically kind of alter how you're seeing certain things. What, what's going, um, what happened? <laughs> Where did it well, all go? I was going to say wrong, but right, maybe. <laughs> sure. Both. Um, so Daryl and I got married and it was hell. It was hell. Oh, there's my cuss word, right? That's cussing, right? <laughs> oh, no, that's not a cuss word. No. <laughs> I got in so much trouble when I moved to America and I would say like crap, hell, bloody, damn. Like those aren't cuss words. Are you kidding? I would, I would say like fucking shit and stuff like that. And I didn't really overly think about stuff like that. Like I'm Scottish and you know, like it's okay. part of my blood and I got to America and I'm like, oh, you guys are spelling out hell and not even using the words L, but using like hockey stick. <laughs> I'm like, that, that did not just happen i'm like am i living in like some sort of comedy like and i'm like no this is actually how some people perceive cussing and so no hell doesn't count i'm sorry oh bummer okay <laughs> but the good thing is you can use All it right. lots now what's that the good, the good thing, is, thing is you can you use it a lot now okay great okay so um we got married and i was like what the hell <laughs> and uh because it was so hard it was so mm. hard and like everything i thought i knew about kindness and being nice like so i have this shirt that says be kindness changes everything yeah it says kindness changes everything and i can't even wear it anymore because i'm like kindness has so many freaking definitions and like daryl so has caused me to believe that <laughs> <laughs> Because he would like be, he would be doing something in kindness. And I would be like, why are you being so mean? Yeah. Why do you hate me? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why do you hate me? And, um, That's so funny. and then I hated me because I felt ugh, because of all the things in my brain and not being able to accept myself for who I was, because I was never taught that I was okay. Just being who I was. Um, so and I, and so as per every good Christian, whatever, I um, went to God and was like, God, you have to help me mm. figure this out because I, I mean, I also have like depression and anxiety. So it just felt like hell. I mean, it was. It was yeah, hell. absolutely. And, um, wow. Uh, so that happened. And then I got introduced to the Sozo ministry. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Okay. So, um, and the Sozo ministry was the first time I ever had a clear thought, like a thought, like anxiety processed it out and then had 
not anxiety about that wow. issue. And um, I've been in not religious therapy since then. And I think it's called EMDR. Okay, yeah. It's a type of therapy basically, which is <laughs> what Sozo is. Mm. And it's basically, you start with a traumatic, in, in, um, traumatic uh, issue in your life. And then as you process it out, like at the end, you will most likely feel differently about it. True. And um, so anyway, so I was probably like 22 or something like that when I um, was introduced to Sozo. Maybe later than that. I think it was like right before I had my son. So 25 probably. And um, this happened at the House of Praise. And that was like transformative. I was like, everyone, there is a God and he <laughs> actually helps you. And he does that by using Sozo, which is actually mm. just there. But I didn't know it at the time. So um, I got really into um, that church. I didn't go to it because we go to a Mennonite church. We currently go to a Mennonite church. But um, then that church offered a class called the Supernatural Bible, okay. which Jonathan Welton yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was mind-blowing because he taught the positive eschatology mm -hmm. and that rocked my world. Like trauma, mm, just wow. finding out that revelations actually already happened. And it's possible that we were reading the Bible wrong and that the concept of the rapture happened in like the 1400s and it was made up by men. <laughs> Mm. And, um, and then I was like, so that happened. And then, I mean, just as, a, um, I guess, progressive logic, like it, you can't believe that that isn't translated correctly. And then, um, like everything is going to be questioned then, you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. where else have we done this? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So where else have we done this? And, then I was basically like, I can't read the Bible anymore because I don't have the education to read this Bible. Like I, I don't know all the hermeneutics, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, so I stopped reading my Bible, which was like a huge thing because I was the read a chapter a day type of person. Right. Wow. And um, that was so terrifying. And even now, like if I tell somebody that I don't read my Bible, I'm still like, <laughs> like scared or whatever and it's always like a deep conversation deep in the dark conversation where I'm like I don't read my bible <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't tell anyone exactly yeah. oh I still have so far to go but anyway um so yeah so I went to that class and that's where that train of thought started and that just like we might be getting it wrong and um, then I like did this whole thing with like talking to angels and seeing angels and listening to the Holy Spirit and what did that look like? And then I don't even know. I think I listened to the liturgist um, and to Richard Rohr and okay. some of his stuff. And that was really great. I listened to your stuff. Um, uh, I listened to some of Tim Mackey's stuff. Like he had, do you familiar with Tim Mackey? I'm not familiar with him, no. He um, talked about Jonah and how it's a, uh, what is it? What's the word? Like it's funny, satire. Yes, satire. okay. So it's satire. And then I was like, okay, here's another mind-blowing thing. Like mm. my definition of Jonah. And um, 
And then I listened to the Bama podcast, which was yeah, awesome. it's amazing. Have you listened to all of it? I've only listened to a couple episodes, and I'm like, dang, this is good. I should listen I to this all, and then I haven't at all. <laughs> no, slightly. Me too. Yeah, me it's too. really ever, good though. Yeah, it's so good. And if I ever get into conversations with people that are like, "What do you believe?" I'm like, "Listen to the Bama podcast." Yeah, just don't even ask me. Just ask those guys, and they'll tell yeah, you the exactly. kind of context. And yeah, exactly. So yeah. honestly, like technology has brought my brain around like being because yeah. I live in the middle of um the country and like we don't have a big city life where mm-hmm. you're exposed to culture and things like that so podcasts have been extremely helpful yeah I I think honestly the, the internet is going to kill um the kind of like the rural communities develop so much slower because of that right they're not exposed to as many ideas they don't have as many different people coming through them all the different things that cause cities to grow quicker um and devolve and develop quicker um the internet is ruining that though like i've i've like talked to like teens in really 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 rural communities and gone like oh what do you think about this stuff and they're like really like like wild progressives that are like people that were grown up in the city raised by like you know like hippies and i'm like what is happening like what is this like your parents are like klu klux klan members or you know i don't know you know and it's like what is happening like they're basically being raised by like netflix and tumblr or whatever you know um and it's like oh the internet's changing stuff right and when we talk about change and how change can be affected i think it's it's huge that kind of stuff um it's really fascinating yeah, it totally. Yeah, so you got hit by that, and I, I think that's a common um, concept. Maybe one or two kind of things, like a Jonathan Welton kind of series, or something happens—a Sozo experience—and it makes you start going, "Oh, what if that works in something else?" And you Google something, or you kind of go on a Facebook group or something, and then before you know it, you've just completely unraveled something. Yeah, um, no going back. For, and it's terrible for that as well, I guess, because back in the day, you might have a question and go what about the rapture i don't know and you go to your pastor because it's the only person in the entire town that knows anything um with any education or maybe you go to a library and say is there anything on the rapture and they'd be like i don't know Um, and then they would just go the pastor would say no no this is the teaching on the rapture and this is what's true and you kind of go okay because he's the only person that knows and that would be the end there'd be no deconstruction there'd be no unraveling of faith there'd be no well if that's that well then what else is that because nothing ever really changed it's such a such a game changer the internet it really is it's exciting yeah yeah so how were you feeling in that process because that sounds like a lot of change a lot of like um some stuff quite exciting it sounds like maybe like you know like oh wow like this is a new way to experience but was that also scary for you Uh, a little Um, nerve-wracking like how were you engaging with some of these like rapid changes of what you believed well how am I? <laughs> and I guess still, yeah, right. But I mean, early on, probably even more so or less so? Is it get worse? I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Well, um, as you've said many times, like it's an incredibly lonely place to be mm. and very scary and lonely. It's lonely. That's how I felt. Yeah. And like, honestly, one of the main reasons I was really excited about talking to you was simply to have another human being that agrees similarly to me because um I my friends are all like okay even my husband like he's like 
I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like he'll so listen funny. to me, but he's still like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I don't have anyone to talk to about this stuff. So thanks it's for fun. the chat. No, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a biggie though, the loneliness for sure. I get Oh that. yeah. Yeah. And just like, it's, it's, I know that this logic is liberating and helpful and I want it for everybody, but it sucks being the only one feeling this way. I mean, I, yeah. And you can't force people around you to feel that way, right? You can't change no. what people believe. You can't no. push them. It, it is something that people have to start kind of like looking at themselves and start pulling those threads themselves and you can't yeah. really make that happen maybe on some levels you know things you'll do in your life or things you'll say will will spark something right maybe jonathan welton sparked something in you or you know like whatever um but you can't force it and so you go you're my best friends but we don't feel very best friendly anymore but i can't make you get to a place where we can do that again and and yeah. then there's the grief of that as well going have I lost my best friend or whatever, right? And yeah, my, my, one of my best friends is like, she's so great. Like I pretty much tell her everything and she's like, okay. <laughs> like, she doesn't, I mean, she has three kids too and is single mom in it. So she doesn't have wow. a lot of great space for figuring all this stuff out, but she's very like non-judgmental and mm. super great and listens That's to awesome. me like, about all all this stuff so like she doesn't like agree with me whatever that means yeah but she's also super supportive so yeah that's nice. feels like there's like all these kind of tears right so there's like you know people like completely rejecting you people then kind of going like well i disagree but i love you anyway and then people going like well maybe but i don't have the i'm not that interested in going there um and people going yeah maybe but they're like i don't really want to talk about it much or whatever like you know, this is and it and it finally gets to the point where someone's like yes let's talk about this for six hours straight you know or whatever and you're like oh there's yeah. oxygen um yeah. and i think that's the biggest part is even you know what you're describing there is probably unimaginable for some people listening going god if only i even just had a friend that would go like oh i think you're a bit crazy but okay let's talk about it that would be the best thing they could even imagine yeah. um but it's still uh, it's not the same it's not the same as bouncing off each other and because it, it feels almost like a monologue because the other person doesn't really get it and can't really kind of go yeah i get yeah. it and what about when this happens or what about that and um, exactly. it's a totally different type of conversation and relationship uh, yeah yeah it's really tough yeah there are some um people in my church who we've had like small conversations about it and like i'm usually like the radical one and they're usually like, we still need to be respectful to the people in our church. And mm. I'm like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just like, we can have different thoughts and it's not disrespectful. But anyway, um, so that's um, helpful every now and then to have those conversations. I don't know yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah. But, How yeah. have you found it for yeah, your marriage? You don't have to talk about this stuff if, you're, if it's too personal okay. or anything. But like, you know, you, you say it's not where your husband's at it's not like in that place. Like, have you found that to be very hard? Cause I mean, it brings up all kinds of questions of like, well, how do we raise our kids? How do we, you know, like do these, you know, like I, I'm, you've, you've kind of mentioned like, oh, I'm still kind of growing some Mennonite church, you know, like it's like, 
you may not be as excited about going to church on Sunday morning, whereas yeah. maybe he's like, well, we've always done this and I like going to church. I like seeing my friends and I like hearing that sermon and singing a song or like, whereas you may be going not so much anymore, actually not my favorite thing to do. Actually, I could potentially come up with some other ideas for a Sunday morning that are better. <laughs> like, yeah. um, How is navigating that been? Is that something that you have processed quite a bit out with him or like um, how do you even gone about that slowly slowly um except the other night it was probably like two weeks ago I was like you know what I'm just going to tell you all the things I believe I was like I think homosexuality is fine like I don't think the bible is inerrant I don't even know all the things I said and afterwards <laughs> and actually I don't think we've talked about it since then <laughs> super cool and super healthy just kidding it's not but he's also we've also both been crazy busy with new jobs yeah. and in the house so that's when I say slowly that's it that's how it usually processes like I'll be like this is this mind-blowing thought here's time to process it and then we'll get back together and like whatever be like a week or a day sure. or whatever later and then he'll give me his feedback and what I mean, at, up to now, it's just been the concept of like our marriage is not based on our religious belief, which is mm, I mean, that's huge. That is really huge because yeah. that's not the case for a lot of people. Yeah, I know. Like I, yeah, it is huge. So I mean, we went through. Um, so we've had so much shit to dig through. So much. You did it. Did I get a point? Yeah, yeah, I noticed. I noticed. We could have like a counter up in the top screen or something. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, like when we first got married, so are you on the Enneagram boat at all? I'm not. I just haven't got into it. Like I tried so many times. I've done like tests. I've like read like stuff on it. I've watched videos on it. I've listened to a couple of podcasts on it. And I'm just like, I just don't care. I just do not care what I am, where my wings are, where I'm going. I'm like, I kind of just like being whatever I am today. And it feels a bit different all the time anyway. And I don't know. I just do not know. I don't know if I'm a bit burned out by it all. I I, I keep yeah. getting told people go like, oh, like you got to try this person. They explain it better. Or, well, if you listen to this person's podcast, then you'd get it. And I just haven't. And I don't know. I, it's cool. I, I, I love that so many people are connecting with it. And uh that's great, but yeah, I could tell you what I am. I think I'm a. Actually, I don't even know what I am. A nine, maybe. I'd no, guess. I think eight or. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I guess I could see you as an eight or a challenger. I am an eight at seventy-six percent match on eight and seventy-four oh. percent match on three. So they're basically the same. Okay. Interesting. Whatever that means. But again, I'm like, I've, I've like read, read books on it. I've read a book. I've, I've watched podcasts. I've watched videos oh, and I'm right. like, and I still am like, eh, whatever it means. It just didn't grab me. I've not retained the knowledge. I just don't care. I'm like, I, I don't Good. get how people have got so passionate about it. Cause I'm just like, I, it's weird, right? When people get passionate about something and you can't, and you're like, I know this is a big deal for people, but like, what's the deal? So it's probably it's pro the reason you can't get into it is probably because you have a healthy relationship. That's, <laughs> that's funny. So, that's well funny. done on that. 
but um so i bring it up because with daryl when well the first personality type thing i found out about was the myers-briggs right and that blew my mind because i was like i finally have a grasp on who daryl is because when we got married Mm. i did not know him at all at all so he we're basically the opposite like he's like let he's um estj and i'm an enfp so i'm like all the fun and do the fun things and yeah and he's like what is the goal <laughs> and let's get it done as soon as possible that's hilarious and please don't laugh while we do it <laughs> he's not that bad at all but that's he's like so funny. well actually he is like that sometimes but he's very goal driven and um like it would just stress me out also mm. he's like a million times better than what he was so i just want to disclaimer Daryl, if you listen to this i'm so sorry if i say anything <laughs> That is gonna like be Daryl. I am I am holding this against nineteen year old Daryl for not having all his shit together, um, and marrying someone that doesn't have all their shit together, and somehow it not being perfect. You know, I mean, gosh, yeah. yeah how, so, how dare you guys? Yeah. So he's uh, he's an ESTJ, and then he's an Enneagram eight, and I'm an Enneagram seven. So like our um. Oh, this is not going to mean that much to you, but so he's basically. It'll mean loads to so many people you... listening, probably. Okay. <laughs> For all the people listening. <laughs> so I'm all about like having fun and like looking for the good and like toxic positivity for sure. And he's like, uh, talk like details to me. Don't um, make things fluffy, like be very specific with me. And so whenever I found out about the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs, I was like, I now have a roadmap mm. to figuring out why you are the way you are. And it was so helpful for our marriage. So yeah. helpful. Um, and so I don't even know why I was getting on that. I don't know. Uh, he, when I am straightforward with him about my faith it's helpful like he doesn't like it when I like dance around the subject or whatever sure and I can see I don't know I guess really he respects helpful. that yeah yeah I think that's really normal what you're describing though is like people take time to process these kind of things and it's like it's a lot to process for anyone it's a lot to process when you're going through it yourself it's a whole nother degree when someone's going through it and you're like I don't get any of what you're telling me so you just give me the details I'll sit on it for a little while, think about it, try and figure out what I even think as a response and get back to you. And then you put that in the mix of like, I do this full time. Like I always forget that I do this full time. And like, it's, I'm so privileged to be just like, my job is just to sit around and think about this shit. I mean, I I talk to people, I like do podcasts. I do lots of bits and pieces, but generally speaking, if I want, I can go, I'm going to do nothing tomorrow. And I'm going to just read and think. And most people in this world do not get that chance, right? They've got kids going on. They've got commitments. They've got jobs. They've got all this stuff. And like, it's so much work doing this intense, deep mental and spiritual work in the 20 minutes that you can grab today that's downtime to process it. And three minutes between, you know, running from getting the kids packed lunches for schools done to running out to the car, like you go on those two minute windows, I can read a little bit of a Kindle book on my phone. Like, you know, I mean, we do not have time. Generally speaking, most people do not have time to be doing like 
intense processing of this stuff. And I think, again, this rapid change expectation of everyone and everything. And realistically, that sort of stuff takes a lot of time. And so I think having a relationship where the partner is, especially, I guess, if it's not, this is built on our faith being identical. If that's the case and it takes time, I think it, it rarely ends well because yeah. when it's all built on, we believe the same thing, that's not likely to change anytime soon. It's going to take time, if yeah. at all. Um, but when you go, well, actually, that's not what we got married for. We got married because whatever, right? We enjoyed the making out bit um, or whatever it was. Um, and when you start looking at that and going, oh, we actually click on a hundred different levels and that's just one of them. Yeah. There's room for us to process that in the 23 minutes a day, you know, yeah. four days a week or whatever you get, you know, when you can try and sit down and think about it. Um, but I think, yeah, people forget like, and especially, I guess, if you're not, if it's not your passion, right? I don't know if Daryl's excited about stuff as much as you're excited about like looking at faith. I don't know. He's probably like, man, I love, I don't know golf or cars or i don't know whatever um, hunting there you go right and so he's sitting like reading hunting magazines and going oh i love i want that gun or whatever like you know what i mean like it's like he's not wanting to go you know what i want to do today i want to spend the precious few moments i have between work kids family everything else yeah. trying to figure out what the hell bethany was talking about the other night when she mentioned like i don't know she thinks homosexuality is okay biblically and like it's like god that is not what i want to spend i i don't want to spend my time doing that i'm passionate about that stuff um, yeah you're yeah, it's just, right it's crazy it's isn't it yeah. yeah but it sounds it sounds like you've been very fortunate in that like in the process yeah. um yeah, as much as i'm sure it's hard I, I don't want to say it's easy by any means but um no. i mean yeah. i don't feel like you are saying that um i am very fortunate like every now like when I first told him that I was questioning the Bible, he said something about like something about like being on a slippery slope or something mm -hmm. to that effect. But otherwise, he hasn't really said anything that's been like traumatic or anything sure. like that. As far as that, which you're right, you're exactly right. Um, I'm very lucky as far as that goes. I'm very grateful mm -hmm. for him being su supportive. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. So what are you, so you said earlier, you, you said before when I was a Christian and you're like, well, no, I'm still a Christian. Like, how, <laughs> how do you kind of like, do you kind of see yourself in some sort of um, place that you can label or like, how do you perceive yourself and what's going on? Do, do you identify as a deconstructing person or like, you know, some people are like that's their identity. Other people it's like, Oh no, it's just something that's happening, but I don't, I'm this, or I don't know what I am. Like, how do you see yourself today? And and do you see yourself getting somewhere? Is there like a goal to this or is, how, how are you perceiving things? Um, so I would, view myself, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. I would, if there was a religion that was like the, I don't know religion, <laughs> that would be me. Like it's I have so many questions. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't see, I don't even know the proper definition of ag agnostic. What is the? Uh, I, don't, I, I guess generally speaking, it's, it's to not know, to, to, to say, I don't know. Oh, 
perfect yeah for, for the most part yeah. but it's got such a it's got such a bad rap within something like christianity yeah. right i mean especially if, if i mean christianity is i know that's like the definition of christianity isn't it? Okay. So, not quite but like it could be so it's like almost like it's almost worse than atheism to be like well i don't know like it's like well no you do know you've got to do like just believe it you know um so agnosticism is quite a, a dirty word for christians I yeah think. I mean, but I think it's fair. I think even most Christians, if they're honest, are going to be quite agnostic sometimes. They go, actually, I'm not really sure if there's a God listening to my prayer or whatever, right? We've all felt like that even in our most passionate Christian days. Um, so, yeah. But it sounds like you might be somewhat a Christian agnostic. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know what these labels... I mean, you could use these labels a hundred different ways. I could call myself an atheist, an agnostic, a Christian. I call myself most things most days, I feel like. Um, and so yeah. it's tough. It's tough. But you, you do feel kind of so, within that world of like, I'm just not sure. Yeah, well, and also like, um, I believe that we have the opportunity to choose what we want to believe. Mm. And like, so I'm walking through this life and what do I want to believe? And so like, when I make decisions that, for example, for about heaven, like none of us can argue about heaven. We don't know. We don't know. So I'm going to choose to believe just for my own mental health. And because I feel like it's a more fun way to believe that when I die, like God is there waiting for me and there's going to be some level of comfort and peace and happiness when I die. Like that's what I choose to believe. Could I be wrong? Yeah. I I love that. You're like, I got to, I got to believe whatever I want. I I might as well, if I'm going to choose to believe something, I might as well make it amazing. I believe there's going to be some level of comfort. I'm like, that's like, you're like like your high bar that you could give yourself. Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm going to believe there's like marshmallow, like waterfalls. And like, there's like animals made of chocolate. I could just pick one up and eat it. Or, you know, I don't know. Like, and and you're like, "Eh, there'll be some level of comfort. Like that's the funniest phrase. Okay, so <laughs> you're totally right. You're totally right. Okay, I need to work so on this. If that is my belief system, then like, shoot, make it great. Okay. Sorry, okay, I didn't so- mean to like. Oh no, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry, I just hit my mute button. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to like rain on your parade or anything, but uh, no. I just thought it was really funny because you were like, I can believe anything like i i choose my belief if i can if we don't know then i get to choose to believe something that's great some level of comfort would be fine heaven's gonna be gray i guess it's like you know your kids are like you know all right kids you can choose anything in the candy store as much as you want and they come back like with one like piece of like you know like dried pasta or something and you're like all right kid sure yeah. like, that's so funny i just i guess that's a very good picture as to like where i'm at like i'm definitely like scared to like make bold beautiful statements about like what i believe and like um yeah that's a very that's very helpful that you pointed that out because it is a i'm definitely very scared to make know a belief because it because then i'm like am i starting a whole new religion <laughs> like i don't want to do that <laughs> i don't want to so like whatever i said nobody believed me <laughs> and like nobody followed me or anything but that's I don't know. so funny i mean i'm gonna title this podcast it's just gonna be like you know um bethany is how do you pronounce your last name is it guys geyser. Geyser. bethany geyser and it'll just be like 
starting a new religion. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Please don't. I'll set you up a website and everything. <laughs> oh, oh, it would amazing. be great. It would be great. Nobody would follow just, yeah, just all gray. Picture of like this paradise, but it's just like grayscale. Exactly. Uh, we don't want to be too excited. Yeah. We can believe whatever we want, but let's. We can fun. promise you some level of comfort in the afterlife you know we're not sure about golden roads or anything like that but there'll be some level of comfort like a, a mattress but some of the springs are gone exactly that's heaven i love it i think that's that's really interesting i didn't mean to like make some profound thing i just thought it was funny um but i do think it's interesting this this um i think it's really built into us as christians to be scared to believe in something big, in something bold, in something beautiful, in something exciting. Like we, we have been taught yeah. to like be like, well, God's good, but well, you know, keep it a little bit down. <laughs> exactly. like, he's not that good. We don't ever say that, right? That'd be a funnier chant. God is good, but not that good, you know. I mean, but it's true. Like that is our logic exactly. We yeah. believe he's good, but also it may be his will that you your child gets cancer and dies. That might be his will, but he's so good. He's so mm. good. So your mom's gonna die. Yeah. He's so still so filtering that. And and um, have you heard of the poverty mindset? I'm just mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the poverty mindset. Um, I feel like I have that big time because Mennonites are known for being cheapskates. Like we don't like to tip, we don't like to spend money, we are just cheapskates. And and it's so hard for me to, I don't know, I think I just need a budget, <laughs> but like, how do I break out of this poverty mindset? Mm. But even with a budget, like, I, I don't know, just trying to find how to enjoy life and not always need to censor myself and, yeah. and the whole concept of I'm allowed to enjoy life and have good things and I can do my hobbies, which ridiculous i I have this conversation with my wife so much like she never both of us are really frugal and we don't have much money to begin with but we're really frugal we don't spend money but Mm -hmm. she like i occasionally will then like say once we saved a certain amount i'll be like oh my gosh i just bought something for like 500 bucks it's like this cool gadget or whatever and she's like the heck is wrong with you but i'm like so i i I can spend money on myself is my point she never spends and then she's like you know, she's like three years down the line. She's like, I've not bought any clothes in like three years and I love clothes shopping. And, you know, like I've saved like a thousand dollars. And but do you think it'd be extravagant to buy this pair of socks? I don't know. And I'm like, what is happening? You know, she's from a very well-off family. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like I can't figure out like, and I'm like constantly trying to push her to spend money. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's really common in a lot of people that have grown up in these kind of Christian, um, I, I think a lot of it's like this anti-hedonism, like, you know, we can't enjoy ourselves, we shouldn't enjoy ourselves, we should be sacrificing for the greater good for, you know, whatever else, like there's this kind of like spending money on yourself is definitely not one of the right ways to spend money, you could spend money on a homeless person or give it to the church or or make a more practical, sensible thing. You maybe you shouldn't buy something nice. Or, sorry, you're right. You're uh, I'm. I didn't. Can you hear all the bells going off on my? Oh, I just got one, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Happens all the time. Um, but yeah. So I I think that's that's 
probably quite common but it is it's it's an interesting thing in our kind of christian culture something about how some people go through it not every christian is like that obviously um but some people go through that and they do they struggle to dream big they struggle to you know want something extravagant for themselves to maybe even like think they're worth having these great things or, or whatever and um yeah it's just fascinating really interesting so where do you see yourself going so you're in this place of like i don't know do you see certainty at the end of the road do you feel like you're figuring things out do you feel like you're does it feel like you're just unraveling your thoughts and it's getting worse and worse and worse or do you feel like you're unraveling and then building as you go and you're moving towards something like how how do you feel you are on this journey like what what's it look like what's is there a trajectory um I feel like I'm at the very early stages of all, all of this and I don't have any idea what is coming, but my hope is that I'll learn how to dream big and get the confidence to do the things I want to do and stop living a life of fear and fear of this random cloud over my head of uh, opinions, thoughts and opinions of people that I've made up. Mm. And, um, I mean, I'm going to, I go to therapy. That's a big help for just yeah. shifting through all the crap in my head. I mean, shit in my head. Nice. Good. Oh, that's like a, the opposite kind of amendment most people would make. I like it. Um, what kind no. of therapy are you, are you guys, are, are you working through? Like, is it the EMDR stuff that you do? Um, so I have had two therapists in the past two years. And so I'm still looking for the one. Mm. It's tough, like a, right? Sometimes, especially, yeah. I guess, if you're not living in like a big city where there's lots of options as well. Exactly. It's tough, really tough. So my previous therapist did a little bit of EMDR, but that was a bomb. She was uh, religious and basically told me that I was, so my husband and I were going together for a bit and um, she said, that I was basically, he was really great and I was ungrateful for not um, like loving my relationship with him because mm. he's really nice and lots of people have a lot of worse, a, a lot worse than I do. And she also said that I Isn't just- Isn't that a totally like her, amazing standards? A lot of people have it worse than you. So shut up. Or like, you know, it's like, okay, but that, that always kind of holds up until you get to be the worst person in the world. Until you're the worst relationship in the world, like that argument kind of holds up for quite a while. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And she, she said something to the effect of, I, uh, I only want to hear I'm right. Like she was never allowed to tell me I was wrong. And I was just like devastated by that. I was so devastated. Like, what the hell? Like, I love hearing that I'm wrong. Like, I love like, like that back and forth conversation of figuring out what's happening here. And so um, basically we ended that. I, yeah. And so I'm on the search for a new therapist. Mm. So, uh, what was your question? I was just, I was just intrigued as to what kind of um, therapy, like therapy? what techniques. Oh, so, like, it's just fascinating to okay. me as people like go through their deconstruction i'm always intrigued as to like what types of therapy have helped them and what types have not clicked with them and i actually hear emdr come up a lot and so i actually oh, cool. 
check it out. But yeah. Um, it's really helpful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually I had like dealt with date rape when this is a big topic and I'm just going to throw it out there. I had um, some, I, I was date raped when I was a teenager and um, wasn't able to tell anyone because of all the religious implications and um, EMDR was really helpful in healing that process. Wow. So like I can talk about it now and it's not like I want to cry all over the place. Sure. But, Which is, I mean, that's game changing kind yeah. of change. And I, I can't even imagine like, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that like, there's so many barriers to, not that guys can't be raped, but you know, there's, there's so many elements of like, I am not going to be able to sympathize and empathize with that on, on, on any um, tangible deep level. But like, I can't even imagine what that's like when you throw in a whole nother layer of sexual purity and yeah. shame and like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. I, I was just reading, um, have you read Linda K. Klein's uh, book, Pure? It's really, really good. Um, but she shared no, a story about this woman that was, was date raped as well. And um, she went home to her parents and her dad was a pastor and she told her parents finally she was brave enough to kind of go home tell her parents she'd kind of been dealing with it at college i think um when it happened and um she okay. never had sex before she's a good christian girl you know all this stuff she goes home she tells her parents her mom is like just doesn't even speak to her just doesn't even respond and then she, you know her dad just sits there and just in silence and then says what were you wearing and and that's the first thing her oh, pastor no. dad has to say and and you just you look at this and you just think this kind of world of intense sexual purity and the the females are responsible for the actions of men and all this stuff like something like date rape is unimaginable to be able to to have to process and work through and and kind of do the work involved to not be deeply traumatically wounded by I cannot even imagine like adding all those layers of shame and everything else to it. It just, yeah, yeah it blows my mind. And so that, that's amazing to hear that um, EMZR has kind of helped bring you through a lot of that. It's really cool. It really has. Yeah. Um, one other thing that just happened this past Sunday that just blew my mind and it would be helpful to talk to somebody about is that my pastor was talking about his son and how he had PTSD because of, his belief in hell. And I was like, that is absolutely, and like had massive emotional mental breakdowns because um, of his logic about hell. And then he followed that up with, that's why we're taking communion today because we don't want to go to hell. And like, that's what we're being saved from, which is wow. so I I mean can you put more words to that for me like why <laughs> like it's so blatantly wrong to me but I if somebody were like well hell like I, I just don't even know I just yeah I mean <laughs> I don't know I don't know this kid I don't know his, his background but I do know a lot of people um have some form of religious trauma 
usually some sort of complex post-traumatic stress in and more often within the world of religion more often than not that is deeply tied into um hell and our concepts of hell and our concepts of god as a judge and he's watching everything you do and if you screw up you're going to hell you'll be punished or he's disappointed in you and you know like that kind of stuff like i mean trauma ultimately post-traumatic stress generally speaking is linked to the fact that you're you have perceived something as a threat to in a threat of injury a threat to your life now that can be something that's not actually physically a threat but your brain has perceived it that way right so you can experience something like um, a loved one dying and that your brain can perceive that as a threat to your life a threat to you know whatever and, and it can be deeply traumatic and so it's not that it it has to be a physical threat but that's kind of like this the the wiring behind it almost if that makes sense and so yeah. if you think about that being a key component in, in establishing trauma in someone they have to be so scared for their life or scared that they're going to be injured or punished in some way and hurt in some way and then you think, well, what's the the worst type of injury you could have? What's the most, I mean, the worst death you could have? Like, even worse than dying is dying and then going somewhere and being punished for eternity, right? And then not yeah. only that, not it's not like, you know, it's um, some incompetent, like, guy that lives down the road called Steve who's in charge of it. It's, no, 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 it's God. He's watching everything you do. And if he catches yeah. you once, you're screwed, like no wonder people are freaking traumatized by this concept, right? There's a man in the sky. He's watching everything you do. You will burn in your own fat for eternity if you screw up. Um, and thankfully we do have this kind of, so the beauty is your pastor is able to say, I don't know, it's your pastor, but this pastor is able to say, but don't worry. It doesn't matter for us because we've got this get out of jail cards. If we just pray this prayer, it's fine. And my son just needs to figure that out and it'll be okay. But the problem is once you start t- taking that part apart, you have still got these years and years and years and years of it being hammered into you that you are going to go to hell if you get this wrong. You are going yeah. to, go to hell if you don't believe the right things. If you go down that slippery slope, we know where people go. They go to hell. If you get yeah. pregnant before marriage, you're going to hell. Like whatever it is, right? Even to the point where some people like, you know, oh, you've been date raped. Well, you are going to hell because you have done something wrong no person that has been raped has done something wrong right you know what i mean it's like but that's the level of kind of twisted awkward juggling of making certain scriptures fit certain ways and messing with our concepts of sexuality like and so i think it's just really natural that a lot of people end up with a lot of this kind of um, religious trauma that they have to sift through and work through um, mm-hmm. And, it, and it, I think it's different for different people, how they work through that and what it looks like and how easy or hard that might be. Um, for some, it is easy to let go of. Others, I know people that haven't believed in God or hell for like a decade and still are traumatized by it. They wake up in the middle of the night, like yeah. sweating um, because they're convinced that maybe they're wrong and they're going to go to hell forever. Like, you know, and yeah. It's deep seated, um, but I think that's that's an indicative of the thing that I'm assuming this pastor's kid, like, that's a pretty like decent kind of picture, a mirror held up in front of you, going, "Hey, what you're doing not working, not bringing peace and like joy and you know all these yeah. like good things that we should be pr- producing as as 
I don't know, people bringing the fruits of the spirit or whatever, like, you know, terror, dread, fear, these are not fruits of the spirit. <laughs> um, yeah. And yet that's the, the, that's the fruit for a lot of people. Um, and I think we should be considering that and thinking about it. I think it's one of the reasons that hell is one of the most common uh, st stumbling blocks for people. And one of the, the first kind of pillars to crumble for people that deconstruct. Um, mm -hmm. Because we all want to break that thing apart if we can, because it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's it's not loving. We can't really reconcile how Jesus would want anyone to burn for eternity. Like we don't really see that in the person of Jesus much when he's hanging out with people. Like I don't know. You know, what I mean, he's not like yelling, "Well, screw you, Barbara! I know you're a harlot. And you're gonna burn forever." Like that's not the Jesus we know. You know, um, and so it's it's weird. When um my pastor told me that, or pastor told me, um, when he said that in the sermon, I got up and left. I couldn't even handle, I, wow. I'm not even, it was very triggering. And so I left and I thought to myself, I've got to talk to his son. His mm. son is actually in his thirties, late thirties. And it happened a while ago. And, um, he, and my logic was, there's no way he can still believe in hell after going through PTSD. He had to have dropped yeah. that belief. So strangely enough, the, that afternoon, I was at a place where he also was at, and he lives like way far away. It was very weird that he was available for a conversation. Mm. And I um, asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, I still believe in heaven and hell. Totally. Wow. <laughs> and I was yeah. just shocked. I was shocked. How do you still hold <laughs> that? Like it made you have PTSD. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean. There's a type of um, religious mental health illness called um, scrupulosity. Um, and it's basically religious OCD. Um, and it is it's one of the I've known a few people that have had it personally and I talked to a lot of people that have it it's up there with probably one of the worst things I could imagine anyone have to be inflicted by but basically I mean it is you are obsessed with all the ins and outs of your faith and you live in this horrible world where you are constantly obsessed with am I sinning am I not or am I doing it right am I not um but you engage with your faith probably more seriously than any person there could be, you know what I mean? And, and so the problem that you have is you end up in this weird kind of trapped catch 22. And it sounds like maybe that's where this guy is. Maybe it works great for him. Maybe it has, he's found some way to break out of that PTSD and maybe it's just really believing, no, I am saved. And so you don't have to worry about how, if you really believe that. And so problem solved for now, at least, unless he has new questions at some point. Um, but like, you know, I, I'm not presuming to know that there's an easy answer for everyone, but I know for scrupulosity that the problem that you find is generally speaking, the only person that's going to find freedom from that is a person that seeks help outside of religion. Oh. But the very nature of it is you can't seek help outside of religion because they're the evil people. They're not to be trusted. They're worldly, Ooh. they're whatever. And so you, you, you end up caught in these kind of rock and hard place catch 22 situation where you're just cycling forever in this little round spiral and you're just going down and down and down and down. And the only people that are really going to help you with a mental health condition that's wrapped up in religion 
is going to be a professional that knows what they're doing with religious trauma and also yeah. is deeply unreligious themselves, not necessarily unspiritual, but certainly not wrapped up in that system. And then, so you go to a therapist and they're a Christian. And even if they are licensed and credentialed and know that there's a set of ethics that says, I don't let my shit get in the way of someone else's shit, which is how yeah. therapists work. Generally speaking, if they're a proper accredited, you know, a doctorate in clinical psychology or something, they're going to be able to cut between those two worlds and do fairly well. But I've known people even that are that level accredited that have not been able to cross that line and still see this person's going to hell if I don't kind of try and steer this or help them. And so yeah. for me, you, you have to find someone that is completely disconnected from religion on some level. There's a, there's a program called the Secular Therapy Project. Um, it's largely in America, but it helps people find therapists that are not religious, not Christian, yeah. but understands that people coming out of faith have these religious baggages. Um, I think it's just kind of a map of the US and, you know, you can search an area and it'll kind of put you in touch with people. And, um, but I think it's so important that we recognize that religious therapists, pastors Mm -hmm. that go, Oh, don't worry. I've got a a qualification in therapy or whatever. Oh my God. Like talk about, uh, you know, uh, conflict of interest (laughs) or whatever, you know, um, it's, it's complex. I mean, I even say this when you go for, um, like marriage therapy, I'm like, don't go to a Christian marriage counselor because their goal is not to have a healthy Christian marriage at the end of this. Their goal is to have a marriage at the end of this. They're so warped by their Christian goal, which is to keep that man and woman together. I've seen Christian therapists fight hard to keep people in abusive relationships, which is unbelievably unethical and unhelpful and whatever i mean even if you're not dissolving the marriage get that person out of there and get them to safety um and yet there's a there's a need for me to to the goal of my therapy is to keep this marriage together whereas a a healthy marriage therapist their goal is not to keep the marriage together the goal is to help these two people have the healthiest life they can have whether it's together or apart um that's the the key because some some relationships shouldn't be together right you should sit down and and after a few sessions go uh, guys we should be working towards separating well not combining something that's a fireball yeah um, and so i think that christian component of therapy can be really dangerous at times i'm sure there's contexts in which it's really helpful as well especially if you're very much in that conventional christian world and that's how you see things and believe things maybe it's okay yeah. I, I struggle to say that but I'm trying not to be too uh, fundamental in my belief and absolute and there's no place for it, but I don't think there's a big place for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's fascinating though. It's, it's interesting to see a pastor kind of admit that, but it doesn't surprise me then if his son's older and maybe has gone through yeah. some questionings and doubts and yeah. stuff. But yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely like my stipu- the The first therapists we had were Christian. First therapists I had were Christian, and that's my stipulation now. Like, you are not allowed to be religious if you're going to give me any level of advice or therapy. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, that's again, that's why I asked about what kind of therapy you were doing. So I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm like, oh, if there's like specific ways that can help people, like I want to know. Oh, there's a woman called Marlene Winnell. I tried to have her on the podcast, but I think I'm too spiritual. She doesn't like anyone that's not atheist, basically. I think that's what I've come across. Um, So she wasn't really interested, but she came up with a concept of religious trauma um, syndrome and and kind of built a framework around that. And she's got like 
um she helps in lots of different ways people kind of coming out of religion and, and navigating trauma and stuff um but it's just it's a whole world of of just messy messy navigation that's required and i mean generally speaking just a regular therapist isn't going to really be able to do this because they don't right. really understand the ins and outs like it's, it's a really complex it's quite a niche kind of thing i think it's very it's not as niche as people realize it's, it's actually much bigger um uh but yeah i think on the whole it, within the world of therapy not many therapists are very trained in how to help people with religious therapy uh, religious yeah. trauma um, the organization I was talking about, ATI, there's mm. a whole website dedicated to helping people get out of the wow. trauma they've developed through that program. Yeah, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked when I first saw it. Like, what in the world? And then I was like, maybe I should sign up for it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Just make sure that you put in the subscription. Your name is like, you know, like. I don't know. Put your name like Bill Gothard or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, that'd be so funny. Oh. That'd be great. You get those good emails. Hey, Bill, are you fed up with ATI? <laughs> uh, did you hear about the scandal with him? Like, there was like a massive scandal where he had this mountain getaway place, and there was all these girls and. Wow. I don't believe it. I mean, there's been so many. It's so hard to keep track of them, right? I mean, what is happening? Um, But yeah, was that quite recent? No, it was a while ago. Okay. Like, I don't think he is a leader anymore. Like, oh, wow. Like, he got taken down or whatever. Oh, so a biggie then, because often they can kind of just repent and they're good. Yeah. Actually, I don't know all this. I don't know all the details. I know there's some things that are going on. I heard it and I was just like, I already. I already have given up all hope in like one single man. So whatever, like you're yeah. human. Yeah, no, I try not to get too caught up in it because I just get too frustrated and I'm like, okay, let me go find some good news, some eye right. bleach, something that makes me feel a bit better. I'm <laughs> like, I just don't need more depressing yeah, reasons totally. to think that evangelicalism is just collapsing on itself. I know that. I don't need any more information or any more data on how much that's happening. I'm like, I'm well aware. I just don't need to know how much more they're hurting people. Okay. Also, how exciting is it that you are, I guess you're like the front runner for the data on all this information, right? Like, are there a lot of other people out there that are doing, taking data like this? I think some, like, it depends on, um, our categories so like people like that are the big dogs in research people like pew research center and stuff like that are collecting data on categories like um nuns duns or atheists or agnostic and, and so there's data out there but i think for me this is like quite a unique kind of like kind of subset that kind of crosses quite a few there's atheists in this group there's agnostics in this group there's like there's people in quite a few there's still christians in this group right so it's quite a weird overlapping group that people are kind of navigating and so um i don't know many people that are looking at specifically in this kind of more um yeah niche um so maybe i i think i am i don't really know anyone else i've tried as hard as i could to find someone else if someone else could do this for me that'd be great because honestly it's, it's a lot of work and i don't have time um yeah. but it's quite exciting as well and i'm really excited to continue to kind of get more data i need to put something out I, i've got like a there's a thing on the top of that like it's like this thick of it because a report i've written but i need to like i need to go through it and like clean it up and it's not even that much data it's just like there's just 
a lot of data um but i'm excited to like start a second report and get it i want i i just enjoy i've looked through the data i don't need to release a report i know everything that's in there now so i'm like all right screw writing a report let's get some more questions out so people can give me more data um so i'm just very selfish basically <laughs> so I, I need to get the report written and get it out um and then sure. we can start asking more questions but yeah it's, it's exciting because i think the more we can give language to what people's experiences are what they're going through um, if we can create some sort of context of like, oh, this is what it often looks like for the majority of people, even just people knowing that will give them some peace, maybe give them some terror, I don't know. Um, but these are kind of important things that a lot of people don't know. You know, we don't really know what happens to someone that starts deconstructing. We don't really know if like 80% of them end up being atheist. We don't know because we've not really looked and tracked these people for years on end and seen what kind of beliefs they have as time goes on and you know, we don't know what sparks it for most people, like or most people sparked by, I don't know, woman inequality, or, you know, the Bible's inerrancy or hell, or was it, you know, uh, Trump being elected in 2016, or, you know, like different people have different triggers, but it yeah. would be really interesting to suddenly look at it and go, whoa, actually, yeah, different triggers, but mostly the same kind of stuff, or, you know, like, that would be really interesting stuff. Yeah, that would be um, so that's what I want to kind of get into for sure. And then there's loads of other things of like, oh, does just being educated increase your chances? What about if you were homeschooled? Does that increase or decrease your chances of deconstruction? Right. I'm like, I want to know this stuff. Like it'd be yeah. really fascinating. Uh, so have you read Educated? Oh, I loved it. I listened to it on audiobook. It was great. And also, like, just the craziest shit I've ever heard. Like I, my wife was listening to it recently. No, who was listening to it? Someone else was listening to it. Oh, one of my wife's family members was listening to it and um, on Audible. And I was like, they were like, they're not that crazy, really, are they? I was expecting to be more crazy. And I was like, how far through this are you? Like, are you on page one? Because like, I'm like, this is some batshit crazy stuff. Um, but the thing that blew my mind is like, how many like injuries did the one brothers like he had like so many head injuries like it's like it was like i was reading some sort of like weird black dark comedy because i was like this poor kid he feels like it's just like a flipping in a pinball machine he's just bouncing around off like you know trucks and getting crushed in machines and getting decapitated and like smash his head off this and a glass sheet through and i'm like this one person is well, I mean, loads of them, right? They have a crazy car crash. I mean, because there's like 12 people in one car with no seatbelts and they're falling asleep at the wheel. Like, I mean, just crazy stuff going on. Like the, the, the neglect and abuse is insane. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. I don't even remember all the profound spiritual components. I just was like, holy crap, these kids went through some serious shit. It was crazy. Oh, it was so terrifying. And it was so, it was so justified. It was so justified. And I know if I would, I know that there are people in my life that would read that and be like, yeah, like, I guess that bad, that dad had a mental illness and like all the stuff you believe was true, but like, oh, he just was a little crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know people, I mean, I've talked to plenty of people throughout my life that would go, yeah, but they're exercising their freedom, their beliefs, like that's a good way to live your life. We support that. We don't think there's anything wrong with it who are we to judge if that's a mental illness or not it sounds like you know i know people that would say that i might have even said that at some point probably yeah, not actually um, but to some degree i'd have engaged with some of that and gone yeah like who are we to say that they should be educated that way or they can't hoard their guns or they can't 
have their kids working in like insanely dangerous environments right people complain about like having to wear hard hats these kids are the hard hats you know i mean it's like what the heck it was it was crazy i absolutely loved it though <laughs> it was like weird page turner like guilty pleasure of like read some sort of crazy the thing is if you can disconnect and forget it's real it's fascinating and then you remember oh, yeah. it's real and then you're just like oh this is so depressing it's just so so depressing yeah and I, I, again, it was just very triggering for me. Like, mm. uh, ah. <laughs> That's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, so you saw yourself in that kind of family to some degree in that kind of experience? Yeah. yeah, to some degree. And I don't know why I keep, I need to dig in. I need to go to some religious um, abuse therapist or something so I can get these things figured out. But yeah, I keep, every time it's like this dramatic religious um story i relate to it I yeah i guess just- I, I, I hear you i do it all the time i mean i'll read like like um leah rumini's like scientology book the like, what was that oh, called okay. i can't remember i'm reading that and i'm like oh my gosh i'm you and i'm like no i'm not but like you know it it, it there's it's like this this thing that runs through it and you're like this is the same thing though it's the yeah. same insidious system that captures people yeah. and keeps them in bondage and, and yeah. sets you up where it beats you down so you're a piece of crap, but then it gives you a little crumb so you feel good about it. And you're like, wow, they gave me a crumb. It's an abusive relationship, right? I mean, that's really Very on some level what it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I do it with ever. I mean, I, I'm reading another uh, book. Um, gosh, what's it called? I think it's called Unveiled. I can't remember the author. Um, and it's about... Um, uh, this girl that grew up in a very abusive um, uh, fundamental Islamic home. Um, and it's, I think the subtitle is it's unveiled. And then it's uh, why the liberal left um, sustain and promote uh, radical Islam or something like that. And and so basically it was, I've only read the, the, the introduction and I feel really uncomfortable already. Cause I'm like, Whoa, this feels really Islamophobic and quite like intense, but I'm like, well, it's not intentionally about all Islam necessarily that what I've read so far. It's it's this woman was brought up in a really abusive home where she was literally being abused. And it, she the, she was Canadian or in Canada and the Canadian government like got reported. She went to court and um, and literally the Canadian government was like mm, freedom of religion kind of says that's not very abusive. So back you go. And like, you know, it was crazy, crazy story. And so it's really fascinating reading these kind of like things, but again, there's so much in it that I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, that's not foreign to me somehow. Like yeah. you can be in an extreme radical Islamic home and I'm going, that feels about similar. And I had a great upbringing, you know, like, but it's like some of yeah. these things you just can't, I mean, it runs through us all, right? We're human and we, yeah. a lot of these emotions, these feelings, these connections, but there's yeah. something about religion and the way it, grabs people it holds them down it whatever and and then the breaking free of that that experience it's something i can resonate with like i go yes i get it um so yeah it's just fascinating have you read um megan phelps's book unfollow no i'm gonna read it oh down, you have to read that it's the best one period Perfect. megan phelps it's Roper. Called unfollowed? uh unfollow yeah uh unfollow unfollowed I can't remember what it's called. If, if you type her name in, uh, she, she's, she is uh, the granddaughter of, no, it's not. Sorry, I just caught up with your joke there. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, <laughs> she is the granddaughter of Fred Phelps, who founded the Westboro Baptist Church. And it is oh. so interesting. And it is oh, no. amazing. Um, Unfollow by Megan yeah. Phelps. It's okay. really good. Because um, you literally are, you're reading through it and you're like, I like these people. They're great. I get it. I like these people. You know, like, it, she does such a great job of capturing what it was like growing up there that you can see the twistedness and the craziness and whatever. But at the same yeah. time, you're like, oh, these are people and they love their family and they're kind of yeah. decent, nice, good people. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's the yeah. same with the uneducated, like, or was it, it's called, is it called educator? uneducated camera educated right it's the same deal you're like these are nice people like crazy but they're nice people right like love their family they like probably have friends they're like you know they're they're decent nice hardworking, friendly people who are just insane uh but aren't we all on some level right we're all a little insane that's what terrifies me because you're right. We are all a little insane. And I'm like, okay, what am I caught in? What is happening to me that like I could be writing a book about? And you're I caught in the, the, the religion of, well, you get some comfort at the end. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's so funny. But then also like relationships I'm in, <laughs> mm. like, are the, I'm just terrified at the thought, like, are these relationships healthy or are they abusive? And I just have no idea because I, it's so normal to me that, and then, and I guess the thing that makes me want to dig into it so much is my kids. Like, I don't mm. want that for them. So then yeah. how do I show them like all of humanity matters and humans, humans are important. And we, it is important to like care about people, but also this is what an unhealthy relationship is. Also, I'm not sure what an unhealthy relationship is. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. We keep doing the work, right? I mean, this is, I'm joking about how much I'll traumatize my kids, but I'm like, I'm doing as much work as I can now before I have them. And I'm going to, I'm probably going to then step it up even more and work my ass off to not be a totally broken, terrifying parent. Um, But then I'm also going to, at the same time, open my hands and go, you know what? We've been fucking up kids for millennia and we're here. You know what? Life has not been as good as it is today for most of history. And so it's getting better. Um, But we did get here and we will continue to move forward no matter what I manage to do with my kids. Hopefully it's better than what, you know, my grandparents did with their kids and my great grandparents did with them. But I'm very aware that it's not going to be perfect. And I'm very aware that my kids are probably going to write some sort of like biopic and be like, oh my God, this is what it was like being Phil Drysdale's kid. And everyone's going to be like, Phil Drysdale's kid? Oh my Jesus, I can't even imagine being that person's kid. (laughs) But like, of course, that's going to happen on some level. Um, Yeah, I still, people keep, like I talk about this with other people and, and everyone always says that. And there's still something in my brain that's like, but I'm going to be perfect. Absolutely. Mike will not be traumatized. That's so funny. <laughs> so, uh, slash so anxiety inducing and unrealistic. But yeah. Well, yeah, you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment, probably. <laughs> but... Exactly. I, and I I don't know why I can't switch it off in my brain. Like you can't be perfect, Bethany. Mm. And and your kids will love you because you're their mom. And that's the only reason. Like, yeah. and it's probably comes back to accepting myself. Like, can mm-hmm. I accept myself as I am? No, I haven't yet. No, like, I don't do that ever. 
<laughs> and maybe that's the most important thing you can do as a parent is learn to just accept yourself for who you are because as your kids see you accepting yourself then they'll know that they can accept themselves and mm. have a good life it's beautiful i love it well Beth, it's been amazing chatting to you i've loved it um it's it's getting super late and uh and i said to you it'd only be a couple hours and we're already going over two hours so um we should wrap up all right so of course you're starting a new religion and you need people to follow you um do you want people following (laughs) you do you want people tracking with you do you want to share your social media or anything or do you want to be like nope um i mean if people want to check out our geyser barn not spiritual or deconstruction or anything like that so you just yeah, broke up as you barn. said that so uh is geyser barn on instagram barn dominium like condominium but it's a barn so nice. we're building a barn okay so yeah. geyser barn dominium I'll, I'll get the link off you and i'll put it in the show notes for people to click on and check out so uh okay. also yeah, it's I'm, gonna, not- I'm gonna check it out so okay well it's not very professional it's just like <laughs> you need to embrace it 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 sounds great it sounds great really great i love it it's so much fun to do and yeah (laughs) wonderful now it's been great having you on i really appreciate it it's been really really fun getting to know your story a bit more having a face to put to the person i talk to online um always good to do um so yeah no i really appreciate it thank you so much and well done for you know this is brave as well talking about your journey and um you know, i'm assuming you're probably not going to send this out to all your family like i told my husband i was like do not tell anyone <laughs> that's so funny that's hilarious uh, someday do, maybe but... do you think you'll watch it um maybe bits and pieces but i'll probably be like oh my why am i saying like so many times oh, or... that's funny. oh god i don't i try and i never watch back anything i do or, or listen to it if i can avoid it yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No. it's too yeah. much <laughs> i'll turn it off after like the first minute and just be too annoyed it's out there it's done let's move on yeah, yeah absolutely. exactly yeah. awesome well thank you so much I'll, I'll um i'll let you know when it comes out probably be a few weeks now um but yeah it's great to connect and great to chat likewise all right love you bethany catch you later yeah Bye. Bye. all right so that was bethany geyser and Uh, I just loved hearing her story. It's such a unique story. And yet at the same time, I think most of us can um, resonate with with what she's talking about. Even if we are not closely affiliated to the uh, Mennonite community particularly, we all have come from different types of community, whether it's our friends, family, or church community. And we, we, most of us know the pain of feeling quite lonely in that process um, because of strongly differing beliefs and radical change that we're going through. And so, um, yeah, it was just really, really lovely to talk to Bethany and, and just hear about her journey of navigating that and how she's navigating that. Um, yeah, do give her a follow on Instagram. It was um, geyser underscore barn dominium. Um, I'll put a link in that in the show notes if you're interested in following um, their their process of, of building this huge barn structure um, that I presume is going to be homes of some sort or a massive home, I don't know. Um, but you can check that out for sure. Um, 
if you are going through that process, if you are going through a process of feeling very lonely, alienated, without people that understand what you're going through, I do encourage you to check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. It's a free resource. It helps you connect with other people in your local area that are going through the, that painful process of deconstructing. And so I'd encourage you to check it out, deconstructionnetwork.com. If you're looking for um, materials that will help you go through deconstruction but still hold on um, to a lot of what you consider unquestionable or un uh, or you want to keep a hold of the, the Christianity components maybe um, the gracecourse.com is a resource I've created which helps people explore concepts of Christianity with a little bit less of a tight grip um, explore different options and different ways to approach things as teaching on um, LGBTQ, hell um, you know uh, is God really good in the face of suffering all kinds of hot topics that people really struggle with when they really want to keep a hold of their Christianity but they don't want to keep a hold of their homophobia or their weird angry God in the sky that's going to punish everyone for eternity for doing like one thing wrong or not saying a prayer or whatever it might be. Um, that's a great resource for people to check out. It's free as well, thegracecourse.com. And if you want to support what I'm doing, um, like I said at the beginning, you can check out my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Both exactly the same thing. Patreon take a bigger cut. So if you don't care, check out Facebook, uh, uh, um, uh, phildrysdale.com and give via that. Um, it's just as secure, uses secure payment um, processing. Um, but I think Patreon take like 8% and the other one takes like 3%. And so um, whatever that is of $5 a month, um, I know it's probably not much, but it all adds up. Um, if you want to do that, um, that gives you access to our private discussion group. We have fantastic conversations on there, all kinds of different conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, spirituality, day-to-day -day life, just checking in on each other, talking about mental health issues, purity culture, all kinds of things that have shaped us and brought us to where we are today and how we might move forward and so um, that's a great resource um, that is there for people that um, want to support what I'm doing um, it's my kind of thank you to you creating a bit of a community there for you um, and we also have monthly zoom calls and stuff like that but as always if you can't afford to give there is no need to give everything I do is free um, I'm still here as well please message me on Instagram Phil Drysdale um, you can message me anytime and, and I'll, I'll get back to you whenever I can and, and I'm happy to chat with you about any kind of issues you're going through or help you on your journey of faith um, and so yeah, that's all for now. I'll uh, maybe see you over on Instagram or I'll uh, see you in the next episode next Monday. All right, catch you later. Love you guys.